welcome again. Yesterday, we got into some tremendously important scriptural discussion. And uh, we means myself and Pastor Jeremy Wilbanks from Coleman, Alabama, um, who is just completing in the process of completing his PhD at AGTS Theological Seminary. And we are excited that you are with us today. If you did not listen to yesterday's, I want to encourage you, go to the archive, look it up, and listen to it, uh, even before you listen to this one. But uh, whether you do that or not, we're glad that you're with us today. Yesterday, what we started looking at that the Bible is the only book. This was the simple statement we started with, and it just plunged into water that was really deep. You had to have snorkels and everything down there. But anyway, um, uh, we started with the fact that the Bible is the only book that gives a plan for man. It gives um, the fact that history has meaning and that history is moving, that the human race is moving towards goals and purposes and a culminating uh, event. So, or maybe events is, is better said. Well, in the, in the process of of saying that that's what the Bible gives us, we started looking at some of the broad kind of ways that the Bible encompasses this massive story that becomes universal, not only global, not only on earth. So when we did that, we, we, we got into some stuff that's really important. And that is, well, if you're going to do that, then you have to have some rules for interpreting Scripture. Yes. And those rules have, uh, we're not making these rules up. These no. rules have been in existence for uh, a long time. Guidelines um, so that we don't misinterpret Scripture and come up with some kind of wild ideas, which unfortunately has been done many, many times through the centuries mm -hmm. where people have come up with just all kinds of stuff because they don't follow any rules for interpreting scripture. And, you know, it's like the guy that said, uh, uh, go and do likewise. I don't know. I can't remember the story now, but, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's a good story. You'll have to yeah, Judas went and up. hanged himself. Go and do likewise. Yeah, yeah. right. And what thou doest do quickly. Yes. So, yeah. So, so, but that's exactly. Hang yourself today. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's an example of, of not having any rules for how you interpret Scripture. Yes. So yesterday we got to talking about that, and, and uh, Pastor Wilbanks got to talking about uh, some interpretive rules. And what was the first one? What did we do yesterday? We established an interpretive stack, or what I would call an interpretive stack, that as you approach Scripture, the first way you read Scripture is not symbolic, but is literal. The grammatical, historical approach to Scripture. By grammatical, we mean what did the words mean? And then second, directly connected to, to the grammar is the historical side of it. What did it mean to the first group of people that heard it as intended by the author? Uh, that is in response, just to put the, the balance, why we emphasize that is there's a large group of people that think that Scripture that the meaning of Scripture is found with the person that's reading it. Um, as they come to it and they read it, the meaning is what they get out of it. Uh, now, that's legitimate, but it's legitimate on the third tier. 
you, that's legitimate on the applicable tier. So the, the, the interpretive stack begins like this, the grammatical, historical, or the easier way to say that would be the literal reading of Scripture is the first level. The second level of interpretation is what we call the fuller sense or the sensus plenier. It mean, it was literally this in the book of Exodus. Paul said that rock was Christ. It was uh, That rock was Christ according to Paul, but in Exodus it was a literal rock that gave literal water and literally sustained Israel in the wilderness. When Paul writes about it in the New Testament, that rock is Christ. The applicable sense, which is the third level of that stack, is what does that mean to us today in church service? When we're preaching, you can get living water from Jesus Christ today. That's the applicable sense. But none of those senses, neither the fuller sense nor the applicable sense, can violate the initial or stretch out of shape the initial sense, the literal sense that those words were related to the initial audience that heard it as the author intended. So that uh, that the that the explanation is as full as what Pastor just gave us is really important mm -hmm. because there are people who say uh, they say, well, we believe in the uh, grammatical historical approach. Mm -hmm. We believe in the literal. Yes. They believe in it to the point that they think that there's some scriptures that were written to certain groups initially that don't even apply to anybody else mm -hmm. and that, that, that we shouldn't even be reading them. So that's why it's important to get everything he was talking about there, that all of scripture applies to all of us on some level. Right. And um, I don't know if, if Pastor would agree with this with me, but I think it applies at some old uh, uh lady somewhere could be praying in her living room and pick up her Bible and and find a scripture that has no relative meaning to the city she lives in or the time she lives in. Sure. And it just says something and God give her a, a word out of that. Mm -hmm. That would be that would be on the applicable level to the extreme. But it does happen. Right. And there has been times that happened where people actually got guidance from it. So this isn't like uh, some witchcraft or something, but this is, this is the the spirit does work with the word to utilize it to its maximum capacity mm -hmm. to be utilized, and uh, that's what we're talking about here. But with all of that said, the literal never goes away just because it has other applications Correct. or fuller senses. So, um, so that's good. So we talked about. Um, I think you mentioned that there was like four basic things, yes. as a, especially as an apostolic Pentecostal person, that we ought to establish right. before we get started. So what was number two? Let's look at number two. So this comes immediately out of, uh, you have the that initial sense, the literal sense, and then you have the fuller sense. In other words, what is said initially means some, can mean something greater in the New Testament. Uh, what, so the very next thing that comes out of that is that we have to hold dear we have to hold as non-negotiable is the distinction between the church and national Israel, because there are promises that are given to national Israel, to the people of Israel, maybe the better way to say that, that we receive spiritual promises, but the church is never going to go and inherit uh, what is now the land of, of Israel, or what would have been called the land of Canaan or Palestine. We'll never go and inherit those physical blessings, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel will inherit those. So held as non-negotiable has to be the distinction between the church and national Israel. 
maybe we should add this language, in terms of earthly fulfillment, in terms of the fulfillment of promises, there has to be a distinction between the New Testament church and the people of Israel. So the fuller sense, you have to understand how to use the fuller sense. Um, the church, I've heard this terminology, the church does not become spiritual Israel. The church is the church. And that's a whole different discussion that we'll have to get into. So I think that would be the second thing, Bishop. Yeah, no, that's very good and very important because uh, let me just give you an example. There's all kinds of groups that have appropriated Jewish identity to themselves yes. as Christians. And so they say, we are the national Jews. The nation of, of England to this day is British still England. shot through with this, mm -hmm. this idea uh, that, that England and the United States are Ephraim and Manasseh, yes. literally, literally. And uh, that's, that's a great part of what colonialism was based upon. That is a, um, that's what uh, America's militias today are, many of them are based on. Mm -hmm. They believe this, uh, what another name for it's Christian identity. Uh, they believe that, that the United States government and the English people that came here are the people of God and that they are intended to, uh, to rule and that's why they have, they really look askance at immigration, immigration of other peoples that are not from English descent, that because they don't think English, they think Jewish descent. Uh, they have stuff that they have put in their histories, mm -hmm. like that Jeremiah uh, came in the fifth century BC yes. to England, that, that he and Baruch, his servant, brought a stone. Coronation stone. Uh, yes. It's the coronation stone that that they say was mm -hmm. under the tree where uh, Israeli kings were were historically um, crowned to be king, where the coronations took place. And uh, that stone now normally sets under a chair in Westminster Abbey, the under kings. the chair where kings are crowned. Mm -hmm. And um, and so when they're crowned, they're, they're, they're setting over that stone just as the ancient kings of Israel set on that stone. They say that stone was brought here. Well, well, historically, you can't prove that. But I, I'm just saying, this is the extent to which people go when you leave a, a, a literal, yes. literal interpretation of Scripture and when you confuse the distinctions. Yes. We need to talk about that. The distinctions in Israel and the church, there are distinctions. When you start violating that, which which is a big subject, and there's major theologians uh, in terms of their um, renown in the world today that say that distinction erased and that the church actually is spiritual Israel and that Israel no longer has its promises. Well, when you get into that, that's a really big thing. The Catholic Church embraced that centuries ago. Mm -hmm. It was pretty convenient to do so when you're killing Jews and hate Jews and, and, and are excori excoriating them as being the Jesus killers and you said the blood would be upon you. You see how historically what we're talking about here is not some little backroom argument or debate. This is sobering stuff that has implications both politically, nationally, and racially, and in terms of prejudice, in terms of bias, in terms of uh, people feeling superior, elitism. All of that gets tied into this. Now, I don't want to just I don't want to just put, paint with a broad brush 
the English people, uh, people of virtually every color mm -hmm. and every nationality have done this. Every major group in the world, there has somebody in them that has done this. There's, there's uh, Hispanics that have done this, uh, uh, Latin people. There are black groups that have done this. There is, as I just mentioned, English people that have done this. Mm -hmm. And the reason you have these militias in America is because they say, we're taking the government back that God gave to us. That, so, you know, they, they're taking those Old Testament scriptures yes. and they're applying them. I know people that have had rifle practice. Their church had rifle practice every Monday night, as radical as that sounds, because they're, they're going to they're gonna take the government back. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's really a, a, a bad thing. This is why we're talking about this. We're not just talking about this because we have some little debate with somebody. We're talking about this because we know what yes. the implications of this is. And so this distinction in the Old Testament, now for those of you who are even less uh, biblically oriented, we need to just mention that in the Old Testament, uh, God called Abraham and he had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And he had 12 yes. sons from which the 12 tribes of Israel come. And they went to Egypt and was brought out of Egypt, out of slavery and they become the nation of Israel mm -hmm. and the people of God. Now, it's really not correct to call them the people of God prior to Sinai because a people, to really be a people has to have a constitution. constitution. And that, and you know, we yes. could talk about the Ten Commandments, but it's really, it's really a, 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 the constitution with, uh, with, with everything that has to do with the people living together and their identity. And it's a covenantal constitution, which is unique above all other people on the earth in that it's it's made in a covenant with God. Yes. So all of that is lying behind what pastor is saying when he just makes the statements that there is that there is distinction between the church and national Israel that has to be identified. And there are promises that were given to national Israel that were not given to the church. And there are promises given to the church that were not given to national Israel. In fact, um, wouldn't you say, Pastor, that there is, um, uh, I mean, the scriptures, which kind of shows that the church is is not an earthly people, but there's scores of scriptures that shows that Israel is an earthly people. Yes, and even to the even to this extent, when you hear people, depending on their approach to scripture, uh, which I, I want to say this before we move too far past that, when you move away or when you move toward a We'll just initially here. We'll just call it a a foundational approach to scripture that is a symbolic reading first, and not a literal reading first. That normally starts very small, and it preaches good. You're able to preach all of those Old Testament things and make symbolic, but you can't find you can't find your initial meaning in that symbolic. When it grows up, it looks like all of the things we just talked about. Yeah. When that when that approach to scripture becomes comes to adulthood, for lack of a better way to say it. You see what it, it looks like, British Israelism. It looks like other things. And I almost named one that I probably would have regretted. We'll just move forward. Okay, so when it comes to Israel, one of the quickest ways you can tell the difference, or, or one of the quickest ways that people debate whether or not Israel and the church are the same thing, uh, they say that the, the promises of Israel have now, it's called replacement theology, um, that the promises of Israel have now been have now moved to the church, and Israel is no longer uh, Israel is no longer going to be the recipient of those. Well, Israel was recipient of the negative side of those, 
in the Old Testament. Yes. Quite literally. Yes. They went into captivity because of some of them. Yep. And so it doesn't make sense theologically that they should be the recipients of the negative end of those and the church be the recipient of all the positive end of that. National Israel, if you read it literally, national Israel has to be the recipient of both the negative literally and the positive literally. This is why Paul in Romans, when he talks about the restoration of Israel, Jeremiah talks about it. When Paul talks about the restoration of Israel, he does not mean that in a symbolic sense, and he does not mean that the church is going to be the fulfillment of that of that restoration. He means the people of Israel, the literal people of Israel, the children of Jacob who became Israel, are going to receive those promises. I don't know if I answered your question. No, that's good. So you so you you uh, you you did a great job answering it, and. You, you have to realize that when you combine the first hermeneutical rule that we mentioned mm -hmm. and that we articulated yesterday, that um, the literal reading of Scripture never ceases to be there. Then when you take that and apply that to mm -hmm. Israel, who has been given all of these promises by God, there's two things happen here. Number one, you can't just automatically, arbitrarily transfer those right. in the New Testament to something that leaves that Israel no, out correct. and say, well, it's because of their unbelief. And there's, there's, there's explanations, all that. And we need to have a bigger, much broader discussion on that too. But, um, but you can't take things, like you can't go over the book of Revelation, which gives the 12 tribes of Israel there with 12,000 from each tribe to to be 144,000 that's found uh, in the book of Revelation. And, and you can't just say, well, that's this or that. I mean, how many things have you heard the 144,000? Well, that's this or that's that. Or, or you hear things like, well, it doesn't really mean 144,000. Right. Well, well, wait, the question right there is, is that who, who said it didn't mean 144,000? Mm -hmm. Literally, that's what it says first. So for you to decide that that doesn't mean that, you have to have your your word's not enough. Right. <laughs> the fact that you say that is not enough. You have to have something that would validate that. And you can't just go find a bunch of 12s in the Old Testament and 12 times 12 is 144 and, right. and go into what's called gematria and all. Yeah. No, 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 no. You, you've you got that. That's literal. And, and until you can show that it was never literal, well, and you can't do that. Right. There. So... Um, Anyway, this is an important point about the distinctions that are made and the authority to say, Correct. well, those distinctions are dissolved. So you, you have to stop and ask, who has authority to say that? Just because somebody is, uh, is, is, uh, can smoothly talk about these things and make that sound... And I know I know N. T. Wright is a is a right. is a very renowned scholar and an astute scholar, mm -hmm. uh, but that's one of the positions he takes. Right. But that's not new. That's not new. I mean, the Catholic Church has taken that for centuries, and others have taken that. And it does have anti-Semitic overtones in history. It may not have with the people that are teaching it now, but it right. definitely has anti-Semitic overtones in history to to diss the Jews and take all those good promises and apply them to the church. Maybe jumping, kind of jumping back to the hermeneutical side of it for just a second, you actually, one of the laws of hermeneutics is the best interpretation of Scripture comes from Scripture. Uh, 
when we say that when I say that there's a, a hermeneutical stack, an interpretive stack, literal, fuller sense, applicable, that's, this is actually the way Scripture interprets Scripture. In other words, we can't come up with our own system. We have to, we have to interpret Scripture the way it interprets. So going back to your 144,000, if Scripture literally gives you that there's going to be this number of people that come out of the 12 tribes, well, you actually have to just do basic math. That's the way Scripture's interpreting itself. Uh, yeah. All right. Our time's up. Thank you for being with us. Join us tomorrow.